THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting it from the Ziggurat, not at the Ziggurat, but from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area. It's our pleasure to if welcome you. If you want to get technical about it, to episode 512 of the Two Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast, nerds. My name is Matt Bomb. It's the final show of the year. Oh yeah, it will come out before the end of the year. Yeah, yes, because we still have one more week to go. Yes, I am the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we're still a little hungover from last week's festivities, but. That won't stop us from handing out our year-end Golden Beppo Awards, where Matt and I reward the best of 2018's comics with small gold statues molded after Beppo, the super champion. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's something. It's tradition. Yeah, it's tradition. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we will discuss our must-read picks for next Wednesday, and finally, Aquaman made a splash on the big screen this weekend, and our nerd at the movies team of, well, us, are proud to bring you the definitive... THN review of Aquaman. Spoiler free. Spoiler It's free. only been out for Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll dig into it next week. But before we start spinning our tridents and blowing farts at each other with them, we better talk about this week's Nerd News! Nerd News. I was trying to say it like Jason Momoa. Oh. Nerd News. Yeah. Nerd News. Nerd News. Bro. My man. My man. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me turn and face the camera real slow. <laughs> wow. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Hey. Hey, all right. <laughs> hey, hi. Uh, the first trailer for director David Marshall's rebooted Hellboy film dropped this week. I think his name is David Marshall. I believe so. Uh, and boy, is it something. Penny Marshall's husband. Uh, R.I.P. Mm, no. No. Stranger Things star David Harbour stars as Hellboy with Deadwood's Ian McShane as Professor Brutenholm. Hilariously miscast as Professor Brutenholm. Uh, Sasha Lane as Alice Monahan. Daniel Day Kim as Ben Daimyo. Thomas Hayden Church as Lobster Johnson. That's fun. And Mila Jovovich as Nimu the Blood Queen. I believe it's Jovovich. Jovovich. Matt, you have declared on this very show that the original Hellboy movies sucked. It's true. Yet you had a very positive reaction to this trailer. Explain yourself. I do not understand the negativity. This looks like Hellboy. It sounds like Hellboy. My only problem with it was they said it to Moni Moni because they're trying to get this Guardians of the Galaxy kind yeah, of Yeah, it's a bad trailer. Rock feel. It's not a great trailer, but everything in it looks really cool. I have problems with... I. I can't stand the long flowing hair. Oh, please. Pull that shit he back. He does that You're sometimes. a professional. He wears it down You're sometimes. You're in the field. He's going through an existential crisis as well. Okay? That's part of the movie. Uh-huh. All uh-huh. right? It, this is a bad trailer. Like, it's it, not this a is great supposed trailer. To be, this is an R-rated, horror-tinged yes. Hellboy movie, and this was cut like a comedy. They tried to it do it. It was like the Suicide Squad version yes. of... The Hellboy trailer. They tried to make it, a, it's like a Guardians of the Galaxy, is what yeah, they were going it for. it did not trailer. work. And it didn't work, but all the imagery I saw was really cool. The monsters are awesome. Hellboy looks fantastic. His gun looks perfect. Yep. He's tone perfect. I love the way that he's not like aping it or overdoing anything. He's just sort of talking through it. Yeah, it's just, it, it was so jokey, and well, I just- you know they took every single funny part that they it. could and stuck it up it. there because like, they're scared. This is their first foot forward. 
with the new Hellboy film, and they blew it in my opinion with this trailer. I'm not. I don't. I think the visuals look fine. I don't think the they visuals blew look it. fine. I like David Harbor. I like Ian McShane, even though he is so far from what Professor Bruton Holmes. Is supposed yeah, to be. it's a weird casting. Uh, I do. I love him though. I do too. Um, yeah, and he'll be great. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Lobster Johnson. That's that's really fun. That's totally awesome. It's also kind of weird that this is directly adapted from like very late game Hellboy stuff. Yeah. Uh, like Darkness Calls and or I think that's what I was looking for. Yeah, right? because that stuff was more modern day. Right. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, Hellboy began in the modern day. No. Like Seed of Destruction, other than the 1942 flashback, that was set in modern day. Yes, it was. Well, I mean, Seed of Destruction was, yeah. But good look dealing with his past, but like the vast majority of Hellboy stories are they bounce all they bounce yeah. all over the dang place. So yeah, this but, is more modern day type stuff. He's yeah. been around for a long time. He's established. He knows what he's doing. I think he I think it's going to be great. Did I like this trailer? No. Do I like the imagery? Yes. I think putting Moni Moni in it was a stupid mistake. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I, I'm still excited for the movie. This trailer just didn't do it though. Yeah. In other trailer news, we got a Doom Patrol teaser last night. Did you see it? I did. I don't know what it looks like. It's think. so awesome. I mean, like it, that was an effective teaser. We were worried about Titans because of what we saw in teasers and Titans turned out to be fun. It's pretty good. I, I'm still watching it and I still like it. The finale was this week, I think. I think so. I got to watch Where the last one this Batman. week. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. You there. <laughs> yeah. Pump the brakes, maybe. But the Doom Patrol looks like they're going full weird. I know it's it's set to like Tiny Tim tiptoe through the tulips. Yeah, everyone's like fucking goofy as hell. Yeah, it looks uh, completely bizarre. I like it's what I want from the Doom Patrol. It needs to be bonkers. Yeah, and it looks bonkers. It looks tone perfect. Joe Patrick, because you demanded it, yeah, the ladies, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, are coming to comics. Netflix's Glow is getting its own comic book series with a four-issue mini from IDW Publishing. This is according to The Hollywood Reporter. We are thrilled to work with IDW to bring new stories to life on the page and in the ring, said Mark Marin. Liz Fla- <laughs> said Glow co-creators Liz Fly, Flyman, <laughs> and Carly Mensch, who are overseeing the comic book. We, can we smush 14 women in one little frame? Only time will tell, but we couldn't be more excited. Into in a their little n- frame. They know. They sound like they know a lot about comics. Yeah, I know. In their new original story by writer Tiny Howard, who we love, and artist Hannah Templer, I don't know her. The Glow Girls are out of their element when they're booked for a charity wrestling event against authentic women wrestlers. Here's what I worry about. Stuff like this. And any wrestling comic. Typically, they're not very good. Now, the other IDWWE stuff has been impressive. It, I have not carried on reading it every month. I don't know that they can capture what's great about the Glow TV show in a comic book. You mean the titties? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There won't be enough titties. The mad titties That's in your face. Two Ds. T I D D I E S. Today. Titties. Today. Yeah, no. Glow is great. Glow is a great show. Um, some things just don't translate to comics. I know. So this is going to be, they're going to have to sell me on it. And I'm afraid they're just going to go like full slapstick comedy. Uh, Teeny Howard has written wrestling comics before. She's yeah. a huge fan. She's a big nerd. Uh, so at least, you know, it'll have some kind of authenticity I trust her, to it. And I hope it's good. It's just, it's going to be a hard one to sell. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird thing to adapt to comics for sure. IDW's Glow number one is scheduled to debut in March. A third season of the television series is in development currently. At Netflix. Should I just finish the first season, huh? 
All right, because we all demanded it, get ready for Spider-Man, the video game, the comic. Ugh. Press release time. The fan favorite and critically acclaimed Marvel's Spider-Man has taken the world by storm, and now the video game web slinger is leaping into the pages of Marvel Comics. Starting this March, all your favorite Spidey characters are presented in new and surprising scenarios as Peter Parker, civilian, and superhuman worlds collide in the game's original action-packed story. So instead of Spider-Man, this is going to be Spider-Man. Yeah, it's about Spider-Man. Oh. Maybe you've heard of him. So this is like Spider-Man in New York with all the regular villains that he always fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing Spider-Man stuff. Right. But it's Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Not Got it. Not Spider-Man. 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 Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> what is the point of this? Uh, here's a, here's, give me, let me just read the synopsis real quick and then we'll bitch about it. After protecting his beloved New York City for eight years, Spidey finally has the opportunity to put Wilson Fisk behind bars for good. But removing the kingpin from the mean streets of Manhattan has its own repercussions. Oh, so, new so this is Daredevil season three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the mysterious crime lord called Mr. Negative rises to fill the vacuum and threaten all that Peter holds dear including the lives of not only his beloved Aunt May, but also his former girlfriend and current Daily Bugle investigative reporter, Mary Jen Watson. Uh, I hope that, true to the game, every three pages, the action is interrupted by an attack by Mr. Negative's goons. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, your spider sense goes off, and he has to go over and pick up a backpack I gotta, with, like, a, I gotta an old Walkman. Hold on, I gotta catch this pigeon. <laughs> uh, so, it's yeah. just fucking Spider-Man. Why do we need this? We've already got Spider-Man. So the, 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 story, the story of the of the PS4 Spider-Man game is wonderful. It is. I don't need a comic book version of it. No. I don't. Not at all. We already have great comic book Spider-Man versions. It's just a what-if version of Spider-Man. Yes. And it's not <laughs> even that not different. That different. Yeah, right. like only in this one he has he's eight a, legs. He's got a white spider on his outfit <laughs> yeah. instead of a black one. Totally. Yeah, we don't need this. Yeah, I don't. Video game adaptations have happened. This doesn't even sound like a new story set but in the world. Yeah, it the sounds thing. like it's they're thing. just adapting the actual story of the game. When you do a video game adaptation of God of War, or you do a video game adaptation of Red Dead Redemption or something, these are things that don't have comic properties, right? Sure, right, yeah. Spider-Man is perfectly represented yes, in right. so many comics every goddamn month. Right. And also, usually, they are telling new stories set right. in the world of right. those video games, not... This is the story of the game you just played. Like when they put out the, the the Batman Arkham comic books, those played off the really dumb, you know, Arkham game continuity sure. and took place in that world and it made sense. Yeah. Okay, fine. You know, I get it. This is no different. The, the beauty of the game was you were playing the comic book. Right. Yeah, this is. <laughs> it's just dumb. I just don't. I don't care about this. I don't no. need it. I mean, no. Dennis Hopeless is writing it. Yay. I like Dennis Hopeless. Yeah, I'm glad he's working. Uh, Michelle Bandini is drawing it. Everyone's a huge fan of Michelle yeah, Bandini. I mean, who, Michelle Bandini's never made a bad comic. So it's called Marvel's Spider-Man colon City at War. It's a six issue mini and they're calling it the first in a series of news stories from the growing Marvel Gamerverse. Oh, God. Stop it. Ugh. It comes out in March. Nobody gives a shit. Oh, man. There's your nerd news for the week, but I guarantee we missed plenty of shit while burning our Christmas tree with all the leftover wrapping paper. So, hit us up on the THN forums. Our big news section is perfect for shit like this, or better yet, you can tune in to Cover to Cover live every Saturday where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11.30 to 12.30 Central Standard Time. It's just like sports talk, but it's nerd talk for nerds, by nerds, and you control the content. So call us, 402-819-4894, or click the Call Now button on our Facebook page. This is where you come to remind us about all the shit we missed. 
If you can't be there live, leave us a message or you can send us an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Nobody knows why we're screaming because this music's going to get cut. Folks, we're switching it up this week. Yeah. We're not doing any reviews. Yeah, we're wearing tuxedos, and it's not because we're reviewing comics. Uh, and the reason we're not doing reviews is because Marvel and DC decided to take the week off. Pretty much. <laughs> Marvel is putting out four comics. DC is putting out nothing but trades. Yeah. Uh, and everybody else, like Dynamite and all those other people, it's like a hand. There's like ten things max coming Literally. out. Literally. So we're just going to celebrate the Golden Beppos this week. That's right. It's a perfect excuse for us to do the Golden Beppos. But before that... Last night was the winter solstice, and Matt and I are still cleaning up in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum after last night's rollicking blood order. It was a mess. Matt, if I am on mob duty, then you're picking up all the headless snakes. Ugh. And while you're doing that, why don't you tell the nerds about your must-read pick for next week? My pick for next week is Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, I from saved it for Marvel, you. written by Jason Aaron with art by Mahmoud Asrar. It is question mark pages for $4.99. They didn't tell us. No. Here's your solicit. By Krom, the greatest sword and sorcery hero returns to Marvel. From an age undreamed, hither came Conan the Sumerian. Black hair, sullen eye, sword in hand, a thief, a reaver, a slayer, with gigantic melancholies and gigantic murders. With gigantic melons. <laughs> and bouncing gigantic melancholies to tread the jeweled thrones of Earth under his sandal feet. Robert E. Howard's creation returns to comics in an epic tale only Marvel could bring you. Conan's travels have brought him to the far reaches of the unknown, from his birthplace in Samaria to the kingdom of Aquilonia, and all in between. As his fighting prowess allows him to carve his way through life, so too does it attract the forces of death. That was my best makeup. Yeah, you did great. Yeah, yeah. It sounded really good. Joe Patrick, what's your pick? Uh, my pick for next week is The Man Without Fear, number one. The Man Ain't Got No Fear. The Man Ain't Got No Fear No More. <laughs> it's from Marvel Comics, written by Jed McKay, with art by Danilo Bayruth. Who are these people? I don't know. I don't I, now, Jed McKay has written something that yeah, I, I read that recently, name. and I remember kind of liking it. Uh, here's your, It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Daredevil is gone, but Hell's Kitchen is still a place of heroes and villains. Foggy Nelson, issue one. The Defenders, issue two. What? The Many Loves of Matt Murdock, issue three. What, what is this, happening? What does this mean? The Kingpin, issue four. And a mysterious Guardian Devil, issue five. We'll all learn what it means to live in a world without Daredevil. And without a Daredevil to protect it, has hell come for his city? Who is the man without fear? Is this a five-issue mini? Is it is a five-issue mini. I believe it's weekly. Okay. And then after this comes the new Chip Zdarsky relaunched number one. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I love Daredevil. I don't know what this is about. Yeah. It sounds kind of like a different like examination of what it, what the world is like when Daredevil's not around. Yeah. I'm in. By the end, he ain't dead no more, right? Yeah, dead. I don't think he actually dies at all. Okay, good. I think he has a near-death experience. Ugh. Oh, no. No, he uh, did die. No, he didn't die. He had a near-death experience, and the entirety of the death of Daredevil storyline took place in his head. Yeah, but the end of it was him dying on the hospital bed. He, did. he was dreaming until he died. He doesn't die, no. God, that is so stupid. They no. called it the death of Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, it was a dream. What a piece of shit. Yep. 
What a massive piece of shit. Yeah, Dinko was real mad about it. Uh, the THN trade of the week goes to Green Arrow, War of the Clans, the essential edition from DC Comics. It's written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino. It is 480 pages for $29.99. That's a really good deal. Joe Patrick, a note from Joe Patrick. Why? Because there's only like 10 things coming out this week and it had to be something. So, yeah. here is your solicit. I mean, we can't not have a trade of the week. No, come on. Oliver Queen thought he had it all figured out. As a heroic archer, Green Arrow, he'd finally found a sense of purpose. Friends to aid him, and even a place on the Justice League of America. But now, he's not even sure where he came from, or whom he came from. Okay, that was a weird sentence. As Green Arrow discovers... He doesn't know whose butt he came out of. <laughs> ...that he is stranding on a desert island. It's more than just an accident. There seem to be more sinister forces at work behind all of these sudden revelations. The Queen family's embroiled in a war generations old. A war of clans. A war of outsiders. Comes from Jeff Lemire. I mentioned that. Andrew Sorrentino told you that too. They take Green Arrow on his most challenging adventure yet. He collects Green Arrow 17 through 34. Green Arrow, Future's End, number one, and Green Arrow, Secret Origins. People loved that run. People loved it. I should probably read it. It is Jeff Lemire. I, I mean, like I know that you much. don't like this version of Oliver King. I really don't, but you made me do it anyway. You made me pick it. Look, you're the one who decided to make yourself go first. I could have read it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. Our picks for Wednesday. January 2nd, but we want to know what you nerds are reading, too. If you find yourself stranded on a desert island, throw your picks into a bottle and toss it into the ocean in our general direction. We'll find it. Or you could go to any of our social networking platforms and send an email to twitter.gmail.com. We're reachable all over the internet. It's a perfect way to start your new year at your local comic book store. Huh? I love it. The end of 2018 is upon us, so it's time again for the 7th Annual Golden Beppo Awards, where Joe and I hand out the coveted Beppo. Dude, I think it's the 8th. Is it the 8th? Because we did it the first year, right? I don't know. Yeah. I was even there. I wasn't even there. The 2011, 2012, 13, 14, 15, You had that other guy that nobody liked. It is the 8th Annual Golden Beppo Awards. Well, 7 for me, because they replaced that other guy that nobody liked. You've been here the whole time. No. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. The 8th Annual Golden Beppo Awards, where Joe and I hand out the coveted Golden Beppo to this year's best in the comic biz. Joey, you gave me a bunch of, uh, you gave me a bunch of categories in no order whatsoever. So I put them in order. Why don't you go ahead and get us started with your best hero for 2018? I gave you three categories in order, and then you tried to add a bunch <laughs> I added a couple because we need to fill this show with some time. We don't, though. It's <laughs> it's going to be 40 minutes long. Uh, hey, my favorite hero of the year is, and I'm cheating a bit, the Spider-Man. I'm giving it to Peter and to Miles because they both had huge years this okay. week. Or oh, this year. This week. Yeah, this week. <laughs> uh, that's, a good, that's a good pick. You've got, you had like, the great wrap-up to Dan Slott's very long run on Spider-Man. You had Miles uh, kind of coming into his own in his own title. The end of Bendis' run and the launch of the new book by Saladin Ahmed. Ahmed, not Ahmed. 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 Uh, 
into the Spider Verse, of course. Yeah. Uh, which was just miraculous. If you haven't seen it yet, damn it. Please people. go. Please, please go. Uh, and of course, they both had great moments in that video game that yeah. we were talking about earlier. Yes. We shit all over the comic, but the game is amazing. Yeah. This was a great year for Spider Man. Yeah. Not absolutely. For Spider Man's. And not just Peter, but Miles. Yes. And I'm so glad to see Miles like at the forefront, like. They shoved him in front of everybody's faces yes. in this movie, and now Miles is going to be huge. It's great. I'm excited. It Matt, is great. who's your best hero of the year? My best hero has to go to Superman. We talked a bunch of smack about Brian Michael Bendis being assigned to the Superman title at DC, and here we are with essentially a year's worth of Brian Michael Bendis because they were splitting up action and Superman. So we Yeah, got we've like gotten six about six of each. each. Yeah. yeah, and I cannot tell you how much I enjoy these comics. They have been so too. wonderful. The first four issue Rogel Czar thing where like Bendis, it's his slam bang earth gets thrown into the fucking phantom zone. It's completely nuts. But at the same time, he maintains his very human sweetness between Superman and his son, John, mm -hmm. that like, I didn't mind John. Like John's a fine character. I wasn't crazy about it at first, but the way that Bendis is writing him, there's a conversation. Well, John has not been in the book. Just he's here and there. No, he hasn't been. Yes, he has. No. I'm about to tell you about a part in Superman where Superman is talking to his son and he's saying Oh, well, in flashback, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. And and he's yeah, like yeah. his son is throwing he's been in space. Yes. He's throwing a tantrum about people talking smack about Superman, about his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And about mm -hmm. and Superman's like, we have to just overlook that stuff. And he's like, Why? We've got all these powers. And he's like, We could, and Superman interrupts him and he says, What could we do? What could we do, John? Go ahead. Snap some necks. Yeah, and he's like, you think I don't get mad at Batman? You think I don't think about popping his head off every day of the week? <laughs> and his son goes, you do? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I want to kill him all the time. But then I wait five minutes, and he does the most amazing thing I've ever seen anyone do. He's my brother, and brothers fight sometimes. And it was just this wonderful, tender moment in the middle of this ridiculous, huge like the earth was kidnapped yeah, <laughs> story yeah. and it ended with one of the best single like pages where it's just Adam strange floating where the earth used to be and he's, and he's like, like on a communicator Hello? and he's like, I need to report a missing planet. Hello. And then the next panel, it's, me, it's like, Adam he's strange. listening and he says earth and he sits there for a second and he goes, E A R T A. <laughs> the Superman books are wonderful. Superman is huge cosmic slam bang action. Action Comics is a little more down to earth. It's Metropolis centric. Yes, showing mm -hmm. his interaction with his family, with the people of Metropolis. I cannot believe the how Daily Planet. Yeah. Brian Michael Bendis has returned Superman to must read top of the pile comic booking. I agree. Fan friggin' tap. I like I'm I was worried. Because Bendis has a tendency to make everybody sound kind of the same. Yes. Uh, but I am really enjoying his characterization yeah. of Superman. It's wonderful. Yep. Joe Patrick, let's talk about the bad guys. Who is your best villain? Well, I see here in the notes that you and I have the same answer. We do? My villain of the year is the Immortal Hulk. Yeah. There's no way to fight it, it's man. It's so good. Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk is terrifying. And he's scary as hell. And it's not just like it's not just like a horror book. It's like this emotionally gripping story of Bruce Wayne de or pardon me, Bruce of, Banner. of Bruce Banner dealing with like the violence of his upbringing and his father and like how that anger fed into the monster itself and oh my god, it's wonderful. I know. It's, it's so good. It is a psychological horror book and not just psychological but literal horror as well yes it's it's 
all about like the psychosis stuff going on in his mind and also like oops i'm possessed by a demon and yikes who's drawing the hulk right? joe bennett and joe bennett's snarling vision of the hulk yeah where his eyes are bulging out of his head yeah and he's smiling he's ugly he's big teeth. he's got this huge brow oh man yeah. oh man uh the defenders uh the best defense uh i read that the other day uh, the f- the finale of the Defenders little yeah, mini. It was great. Uh, and the Hulk bit a t- bit a dude's head off. Yep. Uh, I don't I don't even remember who it was. Is that some alien or something? Yeah, bit yeah. his head right off. Bit I was like, head off. Hulk. Uh, <laughs> the it's Hulk gross. Really bad news. Yeah. Right now. Oh, yeah. I love it so much. I love it. He's my villain of the year. Yeah, it's a great one. All right, let's get into the let's get into the meatus of it. Let's get into the real peeps, shall we? Uh, the peeps behind the comics. Matt Baum, who gets your golden beppo for best. Writer of 2018. This one was really tough because there were so many books that stuck out of my head that I wanted to rave about. Uh, Tom King finished his Mr. Miracle. God, it was wonderful. I absolutely loved it. You could even argue for his run on Batman as well. Jeff Lemire kicked ass all year on just about everything he did, but especially his Black Hammer series. But at the end of the year, the one title that stands out to me as, you know what? I got to mention Donnie Cates' Uh, Venom as well. Yeah, Donnie Cates. That book is so great. Mm -hmm. And I had no business caring about that book. But at the end of the year, the one book that stood out as something that I'm going to remember and totally killed me was Saladin Ahmed's Black Bolt. Holy crap. It Now, it started in 2017, but it finished up this year. Sure. 12 issues. We all we have done is rail about how sick we are of the Inhumans, how we could care less what happens to the Inhumans after Marvel tried to force them on us for like four years. And then out of nowhere, Ahmed comes in and writes a story about Black Bolt by himself and nails it. And teaming up with the Absorbing Man. Absolutely nails it. Yeah. Yeah, Writes an Absorbing Man that I loved. Like, with such a great Crusher Creel. (laughs) I loved it. This series was incredible. That's good. That's a good pick. I have to confess, I did not catch up with Black Bolt. I need to. Yeah. Uh, God, it was we, so good. We, we re- re-reviewed and loved the first issue, and I just didn't get it caught up. It ended so well. So well. Joe Patrick. The Joe Patrick Beppo for Best Writer goes to. Uh, you know, you you brought up a lot of great talent, and uh, I'm really loving all the work by the people you named uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates oh man his Captain America is so good yeah it's so good it's, and I love like the, the, the haters very late that are trying to hate on it it's so funny to try and read them break it like knock it down it's yeah. like that's what you're mad about right <laughs> like, yeah, this book right. is excellent it's very good uh, but I'm giving my Beppo for writer of the year to Kelly Thompson really yes I am okay. because everything she writes is a joy yeah it's true um, she has picked up the mantle uh, of Captain Marvel writer, uh, The Life of Captain Marvel, which I thought was just going to be like a throwaway kind of flashback no, series. No, it was great. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's very good. It was excellent. Um, West Coast Avengers, I love. I love it that so much. That was on much. a lot of people's lists, top 10 lists. Uh, yeah. You know, she's kind of, she got her start doing, you know, uh, kind of indie stuff. She did some Valiant work. Yeah. And uh, some fill-in stuff here and there. And now she's coming into her own as like a name writer. Uh, she kind of picked up the the mantle of uh, Jessica Jones from Bendis. Yeah. And her Jessica Jones book, The Digital First, was excellent. It's very good. I did not read that. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think she's a phenomenal talent, and I think that she's going to be one of Marvel's best writers. Okay, if they know what's good for them, they'll they'll put her on something very high profile. 
So well, we, I guess Captain Marvel. Yeah, that's, that's going to be damn yeah, the, the new Captain Marvel number one's coming soon. So, all right, it ain't comics without art, man. No, we can't just have words. We be reading books. Who is your best artist of the year? My best artist goes to Mike Del Mundo for his work on Thor. Yep. There is not a comic book on the stand right now that is more psychedelic, brighter, and just lunacy. Pure cult lunacy. It looks like Flash Gordon on acid in that book. It is absolutely stunning what he is doing in that book. He's sort of changed his style so he's a little more painted than he was. It almost reminds me of like a Daniel Acuna, but even wilder. In the sense that it like well, it's always been painted. But yeah, but it, he's like he's sort of softened things even sure. more. So it's like there's panels where Thor is doing something super, you know, godlike and amazing, and it's so bright that he's like coming out of focus while he's doing it. Yeah. And it, this book is just stunning. Not to mention Thorry. God, I love that dog. The dog, yeah, Thor. <laughs> and he loves drawing that dog. It's so obvious. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, his work on Thor, absolutely stunning. And, and, like, this is coming off Russell Dodderman. Can you imagine trying to follow that dude? Yeah, right. Jesus, really good stuff. Joe Patrick, best artist. Uh, my best artist of the year, I'm giving it to Joe Bennett, artist of the Immortal Hulk. That's a great one. Uh, Joe Bennett is... He's kind of a dark horse. That dude's been around since the 90s. Yeah. Uh, he got to start. He he was doing uh, Spider Man stuff in the nineties. He was the artist of, a, too, of Amazing Spider Man for a while. His style has changed so many times. Uh, during the uh, immediate fallout of the Clone Saga, Joe Bennett had the thankless task of uh, of uh, drawing Spider Man, uh, and he's just improved every yeah. time I've seen him on a new project. And it's not like he was getting a ton of work before this. He he, he has his moments here and there. He was never it was never definitely a huge name that Right. They would he's never to been a huge name. Like yeah. nobody nobody like no offense to the guy. I've always been a fan, but like nobody's like, you know who I'm, my favorite artist is? Joe Bennett. Well and they were never like Joe Bennett is taking over Batman. Right, or right. Joe it's Bennett not, on the X Men. He's not an artist whose name makes news. No. Like you know, uh, like a Bendis or right. or a, a, a Adam Hughes or whomever, uh, Ivan Rice, but he's just putting in the work and he's so good. And his work on this book in particular, it really is. It's, it's amazing. Better than I've ever seen him, and it's scary and it's gross. There was an issue. Spoilers for Immortal Hulk a few months back. There was an issue where the Hulk gets captured and dissected. Yeah, <laughs> they chop him into it tiny bits and put each bit it in a was jar. Great, and of course the Hulk survives. And it was just, it was so gross. Like his head floating in the fluid, smiling. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. He is a chameleon. He's an artist that I thought of primarily as a very standard superhero artist. Yeah, and here he is taking his style, which is still familiar. And making it a true like horror style. Yeah, it's definitely amazing. Joe Bennett, good answer. Thank you. Let's get into the comics themselves, Joey. I'm gonna let you go twice in a row. Okay. What do you think about that. Your best single issue of 2018. This is my least favorite category because I never remember to take notes throughout the year. <laughs> See, I have. A whole list of every I, review I that I made. I wish that I you did. Just what you do is just start a new document and just start writing them down. And I so you can go back and look. I don't do that. Why but not? I, <laughs> because I'm an idiot. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, but I did remember uh, my favorite single issue of this year is Spectacular Spider-Man number 310. 
It is the final issue of Chip Zdarsky's run on that book. And he doesn't write it uh, only. He also draws it. So it's an all Zdarsky issue. I did not read that one. So the premise of this issue is that uh, somebody, a film student, is making a documentary about Spider-Man. Right. And so it's a lot of like Bendis style, like small panel talking heads as um, they're getting interviewed. Okay. Like, what do you think of Spider-Man? And some people are like, he's a menace. He sucks. And the cops are like, he's a nuisance. He's in my way. He's a sucky menace. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you've got his, his fans are there as well. Um, and then there's this mother uh, and so the through line of the issue is that this mother uh, is flashing back to a time where Spider-Man saved her son. Uh, he had he got paid 50 bucks by a couple of crooks to be a lookout while they robbed a liquor store or something. Okay. Um, and so the cops showed up and they're running and Spider-Man saves him from getting arrested. He's like the kid. He just got in over his head. He didn't know what he was doing. Right. He's not a bad kid. Right. Um, and then they show like... As the weeks and months progress, Spider-Man's ongoing relationship with this kid and and the change that he has on uh, uh, the 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 impact he has on this kid's life, and um, things happen that I will not spoil because it's a wonderful issue. Okay, uh, and then uh, Spider-Man meets the filmmaker and uh, finds out why uh, Spider-Man, uh, why he's making a movie about Spider-Man with all the other heroes in New York, and. It's just such a heartwarming tale about the impact that Spider-Man has on the lives of the people in the city. And it's not always great. It's not always bad. Sure. Um, but he's always there and he's always trying his best. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful, heartfelt issue by a guy who got his start writing uh, terrible prison yeah. fart dick and fart jokes. Yeah. Uh, I love it so much. Spectacular Spider-Man 310. Check it out if you haven't. It's standalone. Fair enough. Matt Palm, favorite single issue. My best single issue. I went through my reviews and I just sort of looked at like, well, what were my buyouts? What were the ones where I freaked out the most? And there was one that I just gushed over. And it's because I love the character so much and she has been handled so poorly for so long. This was What If Magic. Really? Yes. What If Magic is your that favorite single issue? issue was amazing. Lee Williams wrote it. Felipe Andrade drew it. It was absolutely incredible. And it was basically what if magic had nothing to do with the X-Men. She ran away with her powers. Doctor Strange found her, trained her to become his replacement. She becomes the sorceress supreme. She faces like her abusive, fa like her, her abuser in one point and comes out better for it and stronger. It was an incredible book that just did something so wonderful with a character that I have loved for so long they should just do. They should just fucking do it. I'm so sick of Ileana Rasputin walking around in the weird leather bikini with the giant Final Fantasy sword. It's stupid. Okay? Come on. This was a wonderful She doesn't what wear a issue. bikini. She wears an X-Men uniform. Yeah, whatever. It was a wonderful issue. Leah Williams is coming up. Huge time. I think she's going to be a name to watch. And yeah, I didn't really I've liked read, everything I've read from Leah Williams. I didn't really read any of those other what-ifs, but this one, I, I went into it not like prepared just to be like whatever total waste of time that book i'm gonna remember that issue she wrote the uh the idea was just so cool she wrote the emma frost issue of x-men black the completely forgettable x-men black yeah miniseries um i didn't read so that one. she wrote the best one okay she's great that issue i seriously that is one that's gonna stick with me it's such a cool idea for that character wow all right this is it the big one the final award the best picture the big one yeah uh, 
favorite comic series of 2018. Go ahead. Start us off. What do you got? It should come as no surprise, based on what I've said in the rest of the show, it's The Immortal Hulk. Yeah. My favorite, my best comic of 2018 is The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. I wanted to pick that one, too, because just like everything we've said about it, how wonderful it is, and how the Hulk had been floundering for a long time. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a problem with Totally Awesome Hulk. It was fun, but it's not the Hulk that I want to read. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like Amadeus Cho. I like that character, and it was a fun book. I want a Hulk book, and this is the Hulk book that I've wanted for a long damn time. Yeah, it's it's my favorite thing Marvel's doing right now. Yeah, it's excellent. I wanted we we have named a lot of Marvel in this and very little DC. Did you notice that? Yeah, I mean we also didn't really talk about anything independent. So right. Sorry, we're superhero fans. Yeah, what are we we're, gonna do? we're talking superhero stuff here. My best series though, I had to go outside the box and I had ended up at Black Hammer with Dark Horse. We've got. I think Black Hammer was my pick last year. Man, it it has just gotten better, and the universe is expanding and expand. And I'm just putting this badge off on everything Black Hammer at Dark Horse right now. We just had that. Yeah, the Black Hammer and its surrounding minis. It's yes. all part of the same thing. We just had that Cthulhuese one shot. Uh, that was the Doctor Star. Yeah, the Doctor oh, the Quantum Star Age. story, which was just incredible. Yeah. This is just Jeff Lemire writing a love letter to comic books and all the heroes he's ever wanted to write and never had a chance to in his own weird little meta universe, and it could not be better. I love it. It is a phenomenal body of work. It's Ooh. it's. I cannot wait to see what they do uh, for the TV stuff. Yeah, and it better be good. I can't wait. I'm gonna be. I am gonna be beside myself. I'm gonna be ferociously angry if they fuck this. Ferociously one up. angry. That's wow. Right. You think I'm pissed now? All right, hey, that was it. The Golden Beppos for 2018, our favorite comics of the year. Of course, there are lots of comics. We review lots of comics. We've yeah. forgotten more comics than we remembered. Uh, and it's just been a great year, especially for superhero books, yeah. if you're a fan. Uh, we want to know what you guys thought. We want to know your picks. But by the time you hear this, we will have already talked about it. That's true. On we're, THN we're Cover to Cover. We're going to talk about it real quick. Five minutes, we're going to do it. Uh, thank you for following along with this award show. We'll see you again next year. That's right. The orchestra is about to play us off. Yep. It's already happening. It's where we get on our horse and we ride out. The wrap it up light is on. Yep. The moloids are all clapping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the after party. Joe Patrick, Christmas is here, and we don't have a Star Wars movie to talk about. But no, we don't. The good news is we do have an Aquaman movie to <laughs> talk about. Oh, it's time for Nerd at the Movies, the slippery, sloppy, wet edition. <laughs> Aquaman. Ready to be a man. Jason Mobroa. Mobroa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that totally applies. Now, no spoilers here, folks. Yeah, we're going to keep it spoiler-free. We'll get all spoilerific next weekend. Just give everybody a chance. If anybody still wants to, to fucking talk about Aquaman. the film. So, overarching reaction. We went in Thursday night with Aquaman Superfan. We took him. I invited him because I wanted him. I was looking at the camera. I wanted him <laughs> as a litmus test. Sure. Like, and is something fucking wrong with me? Because I realize I have problems. I'm an angry old man. Yes. Grand response. How did you feel? How did I feel? How did you feel? Uh, Aquaman is a movie. It is definitely a movie. Uh, it's too long. It was definitely too long. I thought the special effects were incredible. Stunning. 
absolutely stunning. Uh, Atlantis is beautiful. Yeah, everything under sea is a joy. Everything a joy under to sea watch. is absolutely gorgeous. But uh, I will say it was a little too ridiculous. You know oh, what I, I don't mean? Think so I mean, we're talking about we're talking about like fish mutants and but stuff. But I'm just like, about, I don't care. I'm just Give talking about in basic design. Like you had like this, like these cities look like they're all underwater, like, you know, crustacean cities and there's fish swimming everywhere. And then there's like this Star Wars deck that they're on <laughs> suddenly, you know, and then okay, yeah. like, it so, was like the design wasn't exactly cohesive, you know? No. Okay. So this is what I liked about it. Atlantis as a culture was mm-hmm. like one culture. Right. Uh, it was the most technologically advanced culture on the planet. Yes. Uh, thousands of years ago before it sank. Uh, and then after it sank, uh, it's got splintered in and split into seven kingdoms. So you had like what remained of Atlantis. Right. Uh, and they, that's, they are super technologically advanced still. Sure. And that's why I also liked like, uh, it looked like uh, all the fancy, crazy, futuristic-looking stuff was built on top of the broken, old, sunken stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They which did, I thought was really neat. They did a good job of that, other than the Stormtrooper outfits, which were just stupid and didn't make any sense. But whatever. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's what they... I don't know why they were wearing them underwater. Yeah, because yeah, there's like dudes wearing... Ar- I, understood, like I understood why they had to wear them above, I think the, above ground. I, but. I think the origin of Atlantis is a great metaphor for my Oops. problem with this movie. They tried to do so much that it felt like six different people wrote the film. And it felt like, yeah. you're in charge of this part of the film, you're in charge of this part of the film, you're in charge of this part of it. Like, the origin of Atlantis itself, which maybe was five, ten minutes long, mm-hmm. had two moments where I yelled out loud, what in the fuck are we doing now? Because it was so ridiculous. They were like this steampunk culture back in the day with like you like ATSTs from Star Wars? They were there. Check it out, man. You know, like, and then one day it sank. And it was the very technology that we, uh, like, we're trying to save the world with that doomed Atlantis. But then we turned into fish people. And that's what happened to Atlantis. Like, it was so fast. Yeah, and like, so poorly thought out. I wanted All they had to, to do was like, a wizard named Arion yes. saved Atlantis. I was waiting for them to mention Arion. And I'm fine with that. And I wanted, I wanted them to explain how they gained the ability to breathe underwater. Yeah, because they did they? No, there was no- Are you ex- sure? Zero. They just said the same technology that uh, doomed us saved us. Too. Right. Okay, but- What does that fucking mean? Also- uh, how quickly did this occur? Right, like you're literally like drowning. Right. Well, how did you? How did anyone survive? Did, did it happen instantly? How did, did anyone survive that, long enough? Did the giant crab right. people that used to be human beings just instantly turn into crabs? So like they evolved, the, and that that part I, I that part I didn't mind at all. Like the the kingdom splintered into seven. No, I'm saying I think that's factions, a cool idea. And some of them are human, and some of them but evolved into more marine life. Type my stuff. point being here is like every time this movie had a chance to do something interesting, rather than do it creatively, rather than think it out and write it so it makes sense, they just went fuck it. This happened. Yeah. All right, next this happened. It was and yeah. It, then there was this, and then oh yeah, this is there too. And you're just like. What are we? Yeah, doing? I mean, it was like many different movies, all all mishmash into like, one. This is the national treasure part of the movie. This is the and Lord is, of the Rings part. This is, this the, is the, the Indiana Jones part. Star Wars part. Right here is your fucking romantic comedy. You yeah, know, yeah. like ugh. yes, yeah, right. Um, so you asked me how I felt overall. Um, I think that the movie is it's got a lot of problems. The dialogue is not great. Oh God! Uh, but I think that it is a good time. I think it's an enjoyable watch. I can't say that I didn't chuckle 
through the whole thing. And, and it wasn't just like, I don't mean like fun in a riff tracks kind of way. I mean, like I had fun watching the movie. Fair enough. I also had fun making fun of the movie. Yes. I mean, it was, it, so it works on multiple levels. I just like, if I had to pick one word to describe the film, I would not say terrible, like justice league. Terrible. Just a mess. It was fucking terrible. Batman versus Superman, the birth of murder and vengeance, whatever. Garbage. Yeah. Just garbage. This Aquaman at its worst is stupid. It's stupid. Yeah, it no, is for sure. And it's stupid. Dumb. It is written by 13-year-olds. Yeah. That were just like here's this cool thing they did in the Fast and Furious we can stick in here and here's this cool thing they did in the Born Supremacy that I want to stick in here and here like it was so paint so by is, numbers is that, like the but, Fast and the Furious movies are like this too and we love them for but it but here's the thing the Fast and the Furious movies have spent seven movies setting up this world where it gets that's more and fair. more ridiculous yeah, each fair. time yeah, you're Aquaman right. got like exponentially more ridiculous every 15 minutes yeah, of this film. That's true. There was no time to catch your breath. There was no time to connect to any of these characters. They like some of the choices they made, like honestly, I think Dolph Lundgren was the best thing in the movie. He was good. Dolph, Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren was good. brought gravitas to the role. And I was like, okay, that guy is an undersea King. I got it. I'll yeah. buy that. I thought I Willem Dafoe was fine. Willem Dafoe is a weirdo, and I will say, yeah, he works as like the servant to the king. Whatever. That. What was the guy that played uh, Ocean Master? Patrick I, Wilson. Patrick Wilson is a great actor. I like him. He was terrible in this role. It was stupid. He brought no gravitas to it. Uh, I don't think he was terrible. I just think that they wrote him as a like he was a base scenery chewing mustache twiddling right, exactly. villain. He was with, a like, caricature. I didn't even fully understand why he was so mad. Amber Heard is terrible. She is not a princess. She's a very pretty woman and they dress her up like Mira and she looks great and she flips around and kicks a ass. They never explain why she has her powers. They never explain why she chooses to use said powers in some situations, but not in others. They also don't you know, explain why she's wearing an A on her belt. Right. Uh, when she's not from Atlantis. And, and like, why is she the only one that is dressed exactly like the comic book characters and nobody else looks like that? Well, Aquaman is. Later on. And Ocean Master as well. I mean, yes. And Black okay. Manta. Later on. So yes. that criticism has no merit whatsoever. Fair enough. <laughs> the guy that played Black Manta was awful. The, oh, I his, didn't think so. He was terrible. You want to talk nah. about scenery chewing. No, I liked Black Manta. All, all he did was like, I'm so mad at Aquaman for something that admittedly Aquaman did. And Aquaman's even like, I don't know why that guy's pissed at me other than, you know, that thing that I admittedly did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you are so outclassed by Aquaman. There's no way you can hurt Aquaman. And you think you've got a shot at him? I'm mean, like, come I mean, on. I, the trailer made him look like a more formidable threat. I suppose. And I was a little upset that he got kind of got shortchanged in the movie. Totally. After all the build up to him. Yeah. At the, begin in and, the beginning. And even when he shows up in the movie, he it looked kind of ridiculous. No, it, no. I, I don't, thought Black Manta was great. I don't think he looked very cool. I he thought, looked, he was straight out of the comics. He looked like Black Manta. He had the stupid huge helmet. He yes. the eye beams. I will say, I'm saying I don't know if it worked in like nah. real life for I liked me. it. I liked it. And Momoa, I get it. We're stuck with Aqua, bro. They set up this character like this. They have to follow through with it they couldn't violently jerk his character away sure he had to be who he was but when he leaps out of the water after the first scene where we see him you know like save the submarine and everything when he comes home and leaps out of the water and he's wearing jeans 
with a work wallet boots chain. and a wallet chain. Yeah, he's swimming around wearing jeans and work boots. Like, come on. It's just like little things like that. They're just like, there was no attention to detail other than he's got to be rad, bro. You know, and like they go so far as to make him look into the camera and like make his smoky eyed Jason Momoa badass. He does a lot of slow motion turns and the guitar goes like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? They're like, this was just all style for the sake of style and zero substance. Uh, zero. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I, in for my money, the style was enough to keep me entertained. It's not a good movie. No. It's not the worst movie. It was it was very it's, pretty. Like I don't ever really need to see it again. But while it was very pretty, like the stuff underwater, which was yeah. stunning in moments, mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. There was no emotional lead up. It very much reminded me of like the star of the Star Wars prequels, where you led up to this like massive battle between robots and clones, and it's huge, and I can't believe how big this battle is. But I don't care about either side because I am not emotionally invested in this <laughs> at all. And at that point. It just becomes a video game intro. Yeah, no, you're. That's, these like, are all fair criticisms. I would liken it to one of the most impressive looking video games you've ever seen. That is no fun to play. Like it, it it's it's that there are you don't get any feeling of any stakes whatsoever. No, uh, like it wants you to think there are stakes. Right. Don't get me wrong. Oh, like, it's it, heavy. It spends a lot of time trying to convince you that it would be very bad if Patrick Wilson got his way. Right. Um, but honestly, like I would have rather seen uh, the in- invasion of the surface world. Totally. Because, I mean, Rather like, than the huge like Lord of the Rings yes. uh, uh, Ret- Return of and, the King. And juxtaposing that huge CG explosion, absolute like lunacy battle. You can't take us, you know, from the above, like the fight in Italy with Black Manta, mm-hmm. which again, whenever they like got in fistfights, they, they slowed it way down so you could see just how badass this aqua punch is, you know, and like you can't go from that to this special effects bonanza and expect it to hold up. It made it look silly and it ruined the stakes. And like they needed Aquaman to be as powerful as Superman at points. And then at other points when he gets punched, it's got to hurt him. You know, like it just, well, like, that's the thing. Oh, they, he's on even ground with the Atlanteans. Yeah. I mean, I guess so, but like, it's just, it was so uneven in plot, uneven in storytelling. There were no uneven stakes. Uneven is, is probably the best word I would use it. Yeah. Story. It is uneven. And just all, over the goddamn it's, place. It's all fl- like it's empty calories. Yeah, the, the Aquaman is the equivalent of empty calories. And there's like four different music scores. You had like the Vangelis sort of never-ending story, synthy, yeah, yeah. like you know Flash Gordon oh, score yeah. when they're underwater. And then you had like your Jurassic Park swelling orchestra, and there's an octopus playing some drums. You know, <laughs> I did like the octopus yeah, playing stupid. drums. Stupid. And then you had the romantic. Comedy part was yeah. like I'm walking through the desert. The music's like boop 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 boop, boop. <laughs> you know. And then we go to Italy, and Roy Orbison's there. I said singing about this hot redhead. I said like, this on cover to cover. I I kept waiting for uh, Hollow Notes. Uh, you make up my dreams come true to totally. come on during the romantic. This, this, it was just like they had a formula, and they were like, "Computer, give me the <laughs> yeah, perfect right. superhero uh, movie." It's like one of those memes on Twitter where it's like, I, I, I created a bot 
and I forced it to watch 1,000 romantic comedies. Right. And then it wrote one. Then I had it write one. <laughs> right. And it's just like a Mad Lib. Totally. <laughs> this was, it was every part that you thought was cool about every superhero movie and Jurassic Park and Tron and Star Wars yeah, right. and yep. Lord of the Rings yep. and the Goonies and National Treasure. And it was just so obvious. So like the bottom line is that, uh, all of these things that Matt said, like we are in total agreement on all of these points. It's just going to come down to like your tolerance level yeah. for that sort of thing. Like, right. can you shut your brain off and just have fun for two right. and a half hours? I did. It's not good. No, but I had fun. Like, I don't regret seeing it. Um, like when Batman versus Superman, when man of steel ended, I was mad. Yeah. When Batman versus Superman ended, I was furious. Uh, and you know, when just, Justice League ended, I was asleep. <laughs> just, Justice League, I thought it was an improvement, oh, but God. it's certainly not great. Um, I thought that this was fun. At least I had fun. This is not um, the film that is going to turn no, the DC universe no, around. No, it certainly isn't. And they made a lot of stink about it. Like we, everybody loved Wonder Woman. We got it. But we're like, gonna, it's like it's, it's full of like it's certainly not dark. No, you know, it's not dour. It's it, it no. has fun with itself. The, the same things that were lighthearted and fun about Wonder Woman, they like which was a very good film that was very well written. They took this and they're like, all right, we want to capture that same feeling. So I want you to turn, look directly into the camera and make your funny joke. So everybody understands this is a funny part of the film, right? Like (laughs) they're sitting in a bar and this is not a spoiler. Dad and Aquaman are sitting in a bar and these like generic biker gangster dudes come up and they're like, Hey, are you the local fish boy? And like, why do they even know? First of all, second of all, because he's been on the news. He's like, oh boy, here we go. Looks like Momoa is going to have to whoop some ass. And he turns around and he's like, maybe I am, bro. And they're like, can we get our funny picture taken with you? I thought that was fun. This is a funny, lighthearted part of the film. Like, fuck. Oh, oh, no, I thought that that scene was fun. You can, I'm not saying you couldn't have done a scene like that, but write it correctly so it doesn't come off as like, oh, this is a part of a kid's fucking cartoon? It just felt like it was written I by totally disagree. I disagree with you there because they nah. really leaned into it thinking like, oh, this is the part of the film where he's got to get rowdy and defend himself it, from some it, assholes. But, uh, but no, like they were fans, and I thought that, that was clever. The whole thing just came off as it was written for 13-year-olds by 13-year-olds. Sure. I Yeah, I agree. Uh, my favorite part, my favorite... Uh, in air quotes, part of Aquaman is, um, you remember how Avengers, uh, the first Avengers movie, it's like, yes, this is so awesome. And right. it builds up to this huge climactic uh, battle scene and the, the day is saved yeah. and they and they part as friends, blah, blah, blah. And then the credits roll and it is the most awful butt rock, Nickelback sounding totally. bullshit. Yeah. It's like, how much money did uh, uh, BMG or Sony or whoever have to pay yeah. to get this song in this soundtrack? And like at the end of this, it was like Ariana Grande. It was like some Enya shit. at the end of Lord yeah. of the Rings. It was like, what is this? What is totally. this choice? Yeah, Aquaman ends on this freeze frame where he jumps out of the he jumps out of the ocean and he's in the costume and it's like I'm Aquaman. Yeah, and it's freeze frame yeah, and like, then they show the <laughs> and then they show the title and then it is this like flowery. Bullshit. So weird. Yeah, it was like an Ariana Grande ballad. What is this song? No idea. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It's like, why isn't it the heavy guitar riffs? Totally. That yeah. we got every time he turned around. The, the whole thing was just so uneven and, yeah, yeah. No, and poorly no. thought out and poorly executed. Yeah, you're right. And and you don't have to do that anymore. We have two Ant-Man movies. Yes, yeah, sure. Ant-Man movies. Right. Both are fun, lighthearted, funny, real stakes, real action, and they're great. So don't tell me we can't make a good Aquaman movie. Yeah, like Marvel has already shown us 
how to take a character or a group of characters that either no one has heard of or everyone thinks is a joke. Right. And turn it around into and, something And make great. it wonderful and make it fun and make it heavy and make it part of like the overarching world. Yeah. And this is, this. it's just like DC, given the choice of style and substance, will choose style every time. That's it. That's yep. all they need. Yeah. I, I think this is a failure. I hated it. You I come on now. hated it. Come on. I hated it. It was pretty to watch, but it was like, like I said, it was like the prettiest video game that is no fun to play. There were no stakes. I didn't care. I rolled my eyes so many times. I was they were sore the next day. I mean, I hated so the, it. the saddest song played on the loneliest guitar, whatever that equal <laughs> joke was. Uh, I'm giving it a leave it. You can no, skip no, it. I, I'm giving it a skip it. Definitely, it's a watcher for me. Like, I, like I'm not gonna sit here and tell you like I loved it. I loved it. No, of course I didn't love it. I recognize all the problems with it, but it was a good time. I sat down for two and a half hours with my buddies and I had fun. God, I felt like I was there for a day. <laughs> I did almost fall asleep. Seriously. And I remember like leaning over and going, when is this going to end? Yeah. It was like Avatar long. Like yeah. how much more of this can there be? <laughs> well, of course we want to know what you kids thought of Aquaman. We are going to tear into it. Full spoilerific on the next THN cover to cover. So go see it before then. If you don't care, tune in and we'll spell it out for you and I bet we do a better job honestly. couldn't be much better <laughs> Excelsior oh. <laughs> that is it for THN 512 before we get out of here Joe Patrick I need you to set these nerds up with a new question of the week yep yep this week's question is an oldie once again from Phil D via the THN forums hey real quick blanket statement we need questions of the week. Yeah, where's your questions, jerks? It doesn't all have to be on the forums. Like, if you guys, if you don't go to the forums, that's fine. You, you're, you're stupid. You should go to the forums. It's a fun place. But send us questions anywhere. Facebook, Twitter, email. We don't care. Get it to us. Carrier pigeon. Ocean in a bottle. Bottle in the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, you know that famous police song? Sting song? You can't ocean have the ocean the without bottle. the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, please send us questions of the week. We need them. This comes from Phil Lee via the THN forums. What's up, nerds? I sent some kids back to school this week, and it got me wondering. This obviously was back in the fall. What is your favorite fictional school or place of learning? And he says, yes, the Jedi Temple is camp. Okay, fair enough. So not just comics, any any fictional school or place where kids go to learn how yeah, to do their kid stuff. Sure, I like it. If you're new to the show and you think it's dumber than the Aquaman movie, I promise it's just because you haven't heard enough yet. You can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like Marcus Rolf, who throws Marcus Rolf, who throws some cash at us every week. I don't think he even listens to the show because he texted me this week and he's like, "What do you think of uh, Spider-Man and Spider Verse?" I'm like. You're paying money for the show and you didn't listen to our review last week. All right, cool, man. He just wanted a sticker. I mean, I, again, I don't give a shit. Download. You don't have to listen. Just download. That's all we have. We prefer if you don't listen, actually. <laughs> uh, we didn't actually do our Aquaman review. I know. We're in a hurry. We need to get to this. I understand. We'll Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the Ziggurat Comp Troller, Lord King of the THN Forums, Brian Domingos. God King. God King, sorry. There you go. Brian does an amazing job keeping the forums alive with new content when Matt and I just can't be bothered. It's true. And he single-handedly organized this year's Listener's Choice Awards on the forums. Word to you, Brian. 
thanks for everything you do. Not only does he do all that, but he calls in every week. Yeah, this guy. He's a content provider. This freaking guy. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just murder your content providers. This is a two-headed oh. nerd signing off. Sorry, Brian. Happy New Year, suckers. <laughs> <laughs>